And now we recite the Satyrus Creed. I do not watch on my phone. He who watches on his phone has forgotten the face of his father. I watch on the TV. I do not riff with my mouth. He who riffs with his mouth has forgotten the face of his father. I riff with my soul. I do not critique with my heart. He who critiques with his heart has forgotten the face of his father. I critique with my mind. Pew! <laughs> pew, satirists and welcome to swords and satire or is it guns and satire the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art i'm your dungeon manager jamie mokel here with my gunslinging co-hosts i'm jack olander and i gotta be honest i i'm i don't know what the uh, shining is i'm just trying to get some beans to survive you know (laughs) (laughs) gotta make those beans yeah yeah i'll play along though yeah yeah it's chelsea here and oracle in training i've got the shine you know oh of course shiny (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) well guys this week we watched the dark tower from 2017. <gasps> this is based on a book. <laughs> yeah, <it is. laughs> By Stephen King. Yes, wow. Uh, but, before we get to that, this movie was directed by Nikolai Arcel. It stars Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, Tom Taylor, Claudia Kim, Fran Kranz, Catherine Winnick, and etc., etc., But before we get too far into discussing this film, I think Chelsea's prepared a little summary to remind you how this movie goes. Something like that. I have all the words in my mind palace. (laughs) Yes. It's locked in there. Yeah. Let's see how fast I can get them out. Sometimes, kind of slow. Gotta be (laughs) honest. (laughs) It's it's not the um you know it's not the destination it's the journey we take getting there. So guys, in this movie we've got a tower. Okay, what kind of tower is it? It's dark. Ooh. I believe it. <clears throat> this tower holds together all the layers of reality. Ooh. In this world we're living in a multiverse. I love multiverse. Yes. It's prophesized that there is a child that can one day bring the tower down all by his lonesome. Why are children always the subject of prophecies? I don't get it. It has something to do with the coming-of-age story, you know. Huh. (laughs) I don't... In the context of this film, that might be troubling. (laughs) So we have Jake Chambers, somebody who shines... This kid is shiny as hell. Oh my god, his last He's name got- is Chambers. <laughs> He's got the shinin. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to get sued? <laughs> That's why I said the shinin. <laughs> <laughs> 
So little does he know he's the chosen one, but he's having dreams of the tower and what I will call the territories. Explain that in a little bit. Ooh, ooh. And uh, it's Deep another. Cut. It's basically another world, and he makes drawings of all of these dreams, and his family thinks that he's going crazy. It's a real mid-world, if you ask me. I believe it. <laughs> he's having dreams of this man in black, who we later learn is named Walter. Oh, I thought you might have meant Roland, because he's also wearing mostly black in this film. In another dream, he hears whispers of a gunslinger who's making his way across the desert to pursue the man in black. This is the guy who's also wearing black. So it's a man in black chasing a man in black. Yes. And, of course, the gunslinger is our daddy. Oh, daddy. (laughs) Idris Elba. Uh Oh, daddy. And we learn that his name is Roland DeChain. Of the House of Eld. Yes. Which is Arthur's line. So this is the world that... King Arthur was a historical figure in. Kind of. Basically. <laughs> because it's Arthur Eld, not Arthur Pendragon. It's... But spoilers, it's basically just King Arthur Pendragon. Excalibur is in the equation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because we learn that Roland's guns are forged from the steel of Excalibur. <gasps> and Roland himself seems to have some magical powers. He can heal quickly and resist Walter's magic. Because, as you know, Walter is a sorcerer. I mean, he just has a decent will save, like. And con save. Yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Reflex good, too. Yeah. In this movie, Walter is out to destroy the tower and is abducting children from all the worlds who have some shine to them, like, which are psychic powers. Like you do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh,. He hooks them up to some contraption that he's made, and they channel all of their energy to strike at the tower. He's trying to bring it down. He hopes to bring about the apocalypse. Is this a sustainable model? Like, do they get to reuse the children after they use them as batteries to attack the tower, or...? Unlikely. Hmm. Troubling. You never see them again. Fair. And... His motives are a bit unclear. We'll get into that in our our section on on the villain. But uh, he just wants to bring down that tower, and he wants to bring in those sweet, sweet demons from another world. Who doesn't? Not even from our universe at all. And Roland and Jake team up and make their way to take down the man in black. And they go head-to-head eventually at the end. And Roland is able to... Take down the man in black and save the day. I would say they go bullet to heart. Nice. So yeah. Or shrapnel to heart, I guess? Because he ricochets it. I don't know. (laughs) So after Roland saves Jake, they have a hot dog together and they're off on their adventures together. And Roland invites Jake to be his gunslinger in training. So they, they go off through another portal. Because that's how you travel between worlds in this movie. And they set off to hopefully right some of the wrongs in the multiverse. The end. But we'll probably never know. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Alright, well, now that we have that settled, I guess we can start moving into... The Delve.
Welcome to The Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, making of, and critiques of The Dark Tower. Yeah, and before we get too deep into the themes, I was hoping we could go over some of the lore of this world together. We love lore here at Swords and Satire, so I will allow it. I need the lore. I want the lore. <laughs> nice. <And we> can <laughs> Give it to us! <laughs> <laughs> we can all pitch in here <clears throat> as we remember things, but... What I have in my notes is that the Dark Tower, it's a large black obelisk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stretches into the sky. It Classic. connects all worlds, Yes. which are basically parts of a multiverse. Mm-hmm. Connects every Stephen King movie. <laughs> and book. Well, the book tower connects the books. The movie tower only connects the movies. Little known fact. Nice. <laughs> They're separate. <laughs> So there's two towers. (laughs) And that means if they start making Stephen King video games, there'll have to be a video game tower, and then there's one tower that rules them all. That's the tower in the real world. (laughs) Oh, nice. So the tower holds the layers of reality together. And And protects it. Yeah, it shields the universe from what is outside, as Roland puts it. Dun, dun, dun. Which he just describes as ultimate darkness, which might connect time bandits. Oh! (laughs) oh, oh. And, like, hordes and hordes of demons and other aberrations Mm -hmm. from some other universe. They're not even part of the universe that is connected to the Dark Tower at all. They're from outside. And we get a little tiny taste of that in this movie with the weird like portal demon that attacks Roland and Jake in Midworld. And the way that's able to happen, Roland explains that, it happens right after uh, Walter has just performed another attack on the tower Mm -hmm. and Roland tells Jake after they've defeated the demon that every attack on the tower creates temporary rifts in reality which allows the demons to come through and they create illusions to try to pull people towards them. Listen, when God opens a door, a demon slips through. (laughs) There is... I was looking up the lore of the books, just to kind of bring that in, and um, I haven't gotten this far in the books personally. But Chelsea has read a lot of Stephen King, so she's basically an expert. (laughs) I wish I could be more of an expert someday. You're working on um, it. So there's believed to be an entity who lives at the highest room of the tower and it's believed to be a godlike being Mm. it's stephen king isn't it it's his (laughs) self-insert maybe it's a smaller tower you know oh Mm. (laughs) (laughs) that is interesting because stephen king described that he's always basically thinking of this story and whenever he wasn't working on another book he was working on the dark tower series and he and he said that he always feels like a piece of him is still there all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I gotta say, I, I kind of love that. That's super cool. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I know Stephen King has his foibles and whatnot, but I mean, he's a prolific writer uh, and beloved by so many people. One of the most uh, like prolific writers yeah. of all time, it has to be. And I love that he connects his worlds this way. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. I always figured... That The Shining just lets you be able to 
get in the mind of Stephen King as a character <laughs> because you get plot device vision. Yeah, yeah. Plot device powers. It's author like, oh. sight. Yeah, it is. It's just yeah, like... Yeah, you can talk directly to other characters. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> King is just like, here you go. <laughs> is this like a Robert E. Howard Conan scenario where like Stephen King is just getting these messages from Roland like about how to write oh, his yeah. stories? I would love that. So... The Dark Tower series started with one line. The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed. Exactly. I hope I got that one right. If I didn't, don't at me. <laughs> the man in black slipped into the jacuzzi, and the gunslinger followed. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> Sounds cozy. Yeah. I am sure Roland would love a jacuzzi. He has just been exposed to sugar and hot dogs for the first time in his life. Yeah. I'm surprised he does not want to stick around on Earth, especially once he sees what gun stores look like. It's true. Yeah, so that does happen, but in the second book. Yeah, I, I mean, of, but I'm talking about the rolling of this film. I know. A lot of the stuff from this film was from the first book. Kind of a mishmash. It is. Because Roland doesn't actually come into our Earth. In the movie, it's called Keystone Earth. Until the second book. Listen, <clears throat> much like David S. Pumpkins, this movie is its own thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And the world that Roland comes from is called Midworld. Very ethnocentric name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if it just means like Midworld? Like, it's okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's in the middle. If that's what it is, then there are some pretty bad worlds out there. Just so in, that's my ethnocentric statement. Yeah. So in Midworld, it's a post-apocalyptic setting, hundreds to thousands of years after the fall of civilization. Yeah, we see like an amusement park, like and, a wrecked old amusement park, with a sign. That says Pennywise, as in the clown from It. Oh, or my I guess God. Alien that looks like a clown. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, this movie connects all of the Stephen King movies, much like the Dark Tower books somehow connect all of the Stephen King books. Yes. yes. I mean, also, you know, Jake has The Shining. Yeah, of course. So there are many ruins scattered across the lands that we visit in the movie, and nobody really. It's been so long that nobody really knows anymore what they were for. Hmm. People are just kind of trying to survive. We, we've got um, foraging, some pastoralist societies. Mm -hmm. So we don't yet seem to have any scholars or researchers who are interested in studying the ruins in this setting. If so, they're not anywhere where... Um, we get to see. Right. Um, and... Roland describes the ruins that it's just ruins from before the world moved on. And I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting bit of lore or an aspect of traveling between the worlds are the portals. And in the movie, it's shown as some kind of ancient type of technology that they can still harness in power. Yeah, um, Walter, the man in black, um, has a team of Tarine who are kind of um, like animalistic furry people, but they wear skin suits. Yes. And like that make them look human. And they seem to have a pretty good grasp on how that technology works. 
Yeah. Because they're able to, like, control the portal, then use the chair that turned children into giant laser blasts at the Dark Tower. Yeah, that doesn't seem like very self-explanatory technology. No, it's not. (laughs) Would you mind explaining to us how that works? Sure. So what they do is they uh, have this chair, right? And the chair has your classic, like, torture chair head clamps. Of course. And they put the child in the head clamps. Uh, Yeah. And uh, then they push some buttons. And the... uh, uh, Sorry. So the child has to have The Shining, you know, from that movie. Right, right. The Shining. Yes. Or from that episode of The Simpsons. Right. With The Shining. Oh, right, right. The Shining. Um... So they strap the kids in there with the shining, and uh, then they push some buttons, and it blasts a giant laser shot of the Dark Tower. You lost me. Mm, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. figure out buttons you, at some point. I guess I guess you didn't take enough cultural <laughs> study classes. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'll get there. <laughs> Read your Dark Tower. Yeah, yeah. So in the books, the portals are a system of kind of magical doors that you can go through, and you can only see them at certain times... In the objective time stream and at like when you're at a certain point in your life, it's not always available to you. Like Totoro. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you guys about this. What do you think about the change? Now, I don't, I've, I've only read a few of the books. I haven't gone through the whole thing. So I don't know if maybe some at some point somebody harnesses the power with technology or something. But I have to admit, I kind of like the magical doorway that just appears like any old place like in the middle of a beach and it takes you like who knows sometimes it takes you to a place sometimes it takes you inside the brain of an of another person in another world like i think that would have been a cool thing to do in the movie but maybe it would have been too confusing and this kind of more familiar cinematic language of like technology and stuff was better not having to not having to even bother like getting into the magic, which King never does in the Dark Tower books, from what I recall. They retain the magic by showing what the sorcerer can do. Right. And then I think showing the portals working in this fashion as they did in the movie as a form of ancient technology, as you're saying, does help translate the idea better for cinematic language. Yeah, I guess it's not quite as... Uh, it doesn't raise quite as many questions as... I had, when I was first reading the second book, um, the drawing of the three, the mm-hmm. second book in the Dark Tower series. Um, yeah. When I first read that there was just a doorway in the middle of a beach. It was, it did take some time. <laughs> Spoilers to kind of, um, for the Dark Tower 2. Uh, mm. It's been out for so many years. <laughs> I think we're past the... <laughs> the, the, the moratorium statute on of limitation. statute of limitations. You had your check. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that was like some of the that was most of the lore I wanted to go over before we talk about the themes. Epic, epic lore. Yes, I think we'll probably uh, swing around on back to this when we get to rewriting history. Oh uh, yeah. Nice. We've got a multiverse to write. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the big themes that pops up through this movie is family. Yes. We mm. meet Jake with his family, his mom and a stepfather. Um, they don't really believe anything that Jake's saying about what's going on. I mean, typical fantasy movie parents. Yeah. Or, like, I guess more modern fantasy uh, movie parents who never see the magical thing until it's too late, maybe, or don't get introduced to it to the end. Meanwhile, we've got Roland. We have a 
a poignant scene with him and his father uh, gunfighting against the uh, man in black, against Walter, where Walter kills Roland's father. And that's why Roland is out for revenge and why he is eventually willing to team up with Jake because he thinks that th he will help lead him to Walter. Um, but, you know, they're both experiencing the trauma of lost parents. That's kind of what connects them, but it also, because of Roland's past, he doesn't really feel comfortable getting close with Jake early on. He doesn't trust him, maybe for obvious reasons, but, I mean, he is just a kid, so it's a little harsh that he, like, basically hangs him over a cliff. Well, you know, it's pretty fair. Um, Walter's magic in this movie True. is so supreme. He can create illusions that are realistic. Yeah, and like yeah. across time and space even. Like right. between worlds. Yeah, so... Which I think might have been a little OP. It was, and it's not like that in the book, but it was... It just... It, it allowed for those characters to interact in the movie, so I understand why they did it. But I thought it was understandable, Roland's reaction. Yeah, fair. I get it. I mean, he's, he, he's been he's been eking out a very tough life. As far as he knows, Jake was just sent to trick him and lead him away from his path. But yeah. then he learns otherwise. And he's running low on bullets, so he's getting paranoid. <clears throat> but the theme of <laughs> trust and betrayal is interwoven with the theme of family in this movie. Yeah, like I said, Jake's mom and stepdad do not believe that he is a um, seer, basically. Yeah. There's a lack of I don't know why they wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lack of trust there that maybe they just need to give... Even if they don't believe Jake, maybe they just need to give him some space and let him figure everything out. They don't need to jump to him needing to go to a clinic and that he's psychotic. Yeah, it's pretty severe to send him to the old farm upstate, if you know what I mean. Oh, I think I understand. Yeah. It's where my childhood dog went. Oh, yeah? <laughs> So, um, it's kind of the same old trope of somebody being psychic and others thinking they might be psychotic or have a psychosis. Associating a gift with a mental illness. Right. Or vice versa. And it makes it very confusing for everybody involved. <laughs> but so, Jake is betrayed by his mom who contacts Jake, the enemies who are trying to steal kids, she doesn't know that's who they are, but she basically contacts them to take her kid away to a clinic. Mm -hmm. I mean, and granted, she is concerned about Jake's well-being because of the fact that he's saying he's seeing visions, he, draw, he draws these pictures that are associated with his visions. Relatively disturbing looking drawings as well. Yeah. Very intense, dark, scribbled images. Of people and towers. Scenes of violence and monsters. Yes. It's true. Most parents would probably be concerned if their kid was drawing that not seeing visions. So, both, you know, it's a bad combo for him. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, true. Yeah. Understandably concerned, but I'm not sure that... Um, Send him to the ranch. I'm not yeah. sure that sending him to the ranch was the best response, but I don't know. I guess we don't get enough time to establish how long this has been going on, what problems it's causing. Well, it seems to have been... The impetus seems to have been when his father died. Yes. And and this is all in the backstory. It's not shown in the movie, but they they're kind of allude to that. And he has already been going to a therapist and... To kind of put pressure on the catalyst for what generates the plot, 
they have her kind of get impatient with his therapy and his journey toward health. And that can take years. And he's been seeing this person for maybe one year at the most. I'm not sure. The timeline is a little confused. Part of me, there was a line somewhere in the movie that made me think that the father had been dead for a much longer time. I don't think it was that long because there was a picture of Jake in the house with his father and he didn't look Mm. that different in age. Good point. Yeah. So it had, I think it had only been about a year, maybe two. Possibly. So the stepdad just kind of like stepped in pretty quick then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, well, his mom's a pretty lady. Yeah, she is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's uh, the same actress who plays Lagertha from Vikings. Yes. Strong woman. Yes, Yes. Viking women. Yes. Yes. Gotta love those Viking women. Yeah. So another major theme of the movie was Apocalypse. Yeah, and um, the world's at various stages of growth or decay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Keystone Earth was still in an era of growth, while Midworld was in an era of actually it's past decay and kind of entering into a rebirth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of teetering on the edge. And uh, Walter implies that, I mean, you know, if everything goes as planned, then Keystone Earth is going to be in a very sudden apocalypse. He even says as he's leaving, uh, enjoy the apocalypse or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And Roland is protecting against external threats. He's hoping to thwart this end of all creation basically yeah i mean you would think that that would be most people's uh drive but it seems like whenever there's a end of the world cult somebody wants to herald in the coming of the end times you know something that's interesting is that uh in this movie roland wants to protect the dark tower but in the books at least in the beginning he wants to destroy it what yeah, he basically wants to end existence because he's tired of living. Is he immortal? He did mention how he was very old multiple times. He's got, like, fast healing. I think he's kind of a Wolverine type. Wait, oh, wait. I think King Arthur has that, too. Something about slow to, a- uh, slow to aging and uh, super fast healing because of Excalibur. Or the blessing of, like, the Fae. Something about that. It's something similar Mm. to that in the books with Roland. Yeah. Oh, and this actually connects to some of other Stephen King's books. Some of my favorites. The Talisman. Oh, I know you like that one. Which has a character very similar to Jake called Jack Sawyer who can travel between the worlds. And he learns to do it just through his mind. Oh, super shine. So he has super shine as well. Oh, but... Could he end the entire universe with the shine? Uh, Probably. Maybe, yeah. but in that one, he can actually bring people with him. Oh, oh yo. He, I think he's actually a stronger shine character than Jake, even. Why do we get stuck with this stupid Jake kid? <laughs> <laughs> and the second book that's related to this came out more recently. It's called The Black House, where Jake is uh, an older man. So the first what? book, The Talisman... It's kind of like a classic hero's journey and an epic adventure. And the Black House, he's a grizzled old detective. It's oh, like, it's, a, it's a crime story. It's so good. Oh, that's awesome. And he Super ends up cool. traveling between the worlds in that. And he meets an old friend that he knew when he was a kid who's also a gunslinger. That other guy's a gunslinger now. 
and Roland taught him, and Roland is has started a whole new school for gunslingers, and he was teaching them. Oh, man. It makes you wish this movie had done better. I know. There's so much they could have done. Dude, yeah, it's we could like have had they... that. Also, maybe the movie had been better. But. <laughs> we might be able to go into that for rewriting history. Yeah, they took a very rewriting history approach. A lot of our ideas for the way movies should go in the future is pretty similar to how this sounds like it actually turned out. Like, Roland starting a gunslinger school. Yeah, that does sound like something we would come up with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we, we've kind of been dancing around um, an important Easter egg that gets dropped in the movie. That's a reference to Stephen King's greater universe. What is it? Because in the world of Keystone Earth, our Earth, or the closest thing that we have in this film, yeah. there's graffiti all, right. all over the place that has an ominous message that only Stephen King fans will know the meaning of. Because it's not addressed in this movie... There's tags that say, All hail the Crimson King. Boom. Nice. And the Crimson King is kind of like Satan and Cthulhu and like Darth Vader all wrapped in one. Yeah. Oh, maybe so the Emperor. Good. So evil. So evil. Yeah. So, like, there's clearly some way that people on our Earth are channeling something from that outside of existence world or reality that, that that layer outside of reality where the dark tower is protecting us from because they know about the crimson king who is this like incredibly powerful entity that is always trying to encroach on worlds and like devour them or rule them i suppose and he's a king after all yeah what are you gonna do at a few points in the movie, some of Walter's thugs, or lackeys, ask him if there's any news from him with a capital H. Oh, oh. capital H. And I know that they're talking about the Crimson King. Yeah. That's some good stuff right there. So I think Walter is working directly for him. Uh, yep. In some other stories, the Crimson King can talk to people directly, so he probably was talking to Walter directly. Yeah, Walter had big cultist vibes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like the cult leader. Yeah. 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 And, you know, there's also other stuff in the movie where we can see that the worlds have crossed over multiple times. I mean, the um, Tahin are kind of implanted in our society. We meet a guy who, like, you know, is typically coded as, like, the, and, you know, this is just, yes. like, typical movie shorthand. This is not my word. But, like, the crazy homeless guy right. who's talking to Jake and giving him a warning that ends up being true. And we find out that this guy is actually from Midworld. And he was one of the kids with The Shining who was they were trying to use to power the weapon to attack the tower. But, it you know, he, he somehow got away and made his way to Keystone Earth. Yeah, so he did survive. You were asking about that before. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if he ever, like, actually got used in the chair or not. Maybe he did, because he did seem like he was, you know, disturbed by whatever he had experienced. It seemed like he it had fractured his mind. He didn't seem to be able to form too many coherent thoughts. But he gave Jake solid warnings, and, like, everything he said was accurate about, like, what they were yeah. going to try to do, that they were going to come after him, that he needed to get away. Like, yeah. he was looking out for Jake, and later on... When Roland and Jake run into this guy again, like he tells the story about how he came from Midworld. Yeah, it's true. Game recognize game, shine recognize shine. 
boom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same in The Shining. There's that older guy who normally watches over the hotel, and he sees the kid that Jack Nicholson has. He's like, oh. Hey, kid, you've got The Shining. Me, too. Yeah. yeah real, real groundskeeper Willie energy there. Yeah, it's true. It seems yeah. like people with The Shining always can tell when another person who has it is around them. Because they're shiny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Walter, Matthew McConaughey, says that Jake has enough shine that he could destroy the tower with just his own energy. Which I think is a little too much power creep in this movie, but... Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I think my boy, Jack Sawyer, has more of that power. <laughs> yeah, from, from the Bleak House, and or Black House, and, and the Talisman. Yeah. That's fair. So before we move on, I definitely want to spend at least a little bit of time talking about the trope that I always love, even though it's been done so many times, the fish out of water, person comes from fantasy reality, and integrates into our world in humorous ways we saw in the night before christmas of course yes many other films any film where somebody comes from fantasy world into modern times always great but there's a interesting scene here that i want to talk about where roland is in the hospital he's getting antibiotics for this demon stab that he got and um jake has told the doctors that they were at a costume party yeah but while reading the blood panel the attending physician is going over Roland's medical history and says that he had hepatitis A, C, E, and extreme radiation sickness. What is going on here? Now, I had hepatitis A as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's pretty common. You can get it from, um, you know, environmental uh, contagion. Stabs. Or demon stabs. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, C is like a death sentence for a lot of people. I didn't even remember that there was an E. I didn't know about that. I don't that. know if there is an E. So that's pretty crazy, but Roland says he heals really quick. But why the radiation sickness? Is Midworld like a, a radiation-heavy place? I'm pretty sure it is. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I remember from the books that it is. Then Jake is fucked. Because oh, yeah. at the end of the movie, he goes with Roland back to Midworld, and Roland doesn't know what radiation is, I guess, and Jake isn't probably going to think about it until he starts getting really sick, and he's going to be wondering what's going on, and he's not going to have a good sense of what is happening, and there's not going to be any doctors or anything, and Loki, our cat, is sneezing over here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of a big concern. Well, yeah. people in that world just live in that environment. That's all they know. They could have evolved to be more resistant to that or to not be affected in the same way. That's true. The people... I mean, Roland is human, but not quite human because he has got some kind of magical some superpower sort of healing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, first off, blessed with, like, the most amazing looks. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's got to be some, like, God-level stuff. Yeah, so yeah. handsome. Yeah. <laughs> the man in the high tower, handsome. Wait. If I met him in real life, I'd have trouble speaking. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so, I mean, that's a big concern for Jake, that he's going to be going to a world that is physiologically devastating for him, and he won't even know why. It's true, but he's got, like, level 10 dooms in him. I mean, the shining. He's got strong shining. So you think he can, like, psychically protect himself from radiation sickness? Yes. (laughs) Maybe? Probably. Yeah, but yeah. I thought that was an interesting little detail and a great scene. Yeah. Also, the gun store is pretty funny. Yeah. Yes, it's true. 
Or, or just like Jake telling uh, Roland that he's going to love Earth because Roland's asking if guns and ammo are in scarce supply there. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, a seething indictment of our uh, <laughs> political culture yeah. and, and uh, gun culture in America. <laughs> it was just great, though, when the doctors were like, how are you even still walking around after they listed his ailments? And he was just like, I am stronger than most. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got, like, real Drax the Destroyer, like, literal interpretation energy. It was great. And then when they were like, he was like, well, am I healed? And they were just like, we need to keep you overnight for observation. I cannot stay here. Yeah. I'm leaving. Here's a coin for your fee. Oh, yeah. He hands, <laughs> he hands the doctor a gold coin. That was that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that was so awesome. cool. For your services. And she's like, what? He's just <laughs> ripping the IVs out of his arm. And then he's like, says exactly what Jake told him not to say. Bring my guns. He is so used to having authority on his world. Uh, people defer to gunslingers. What they say is law because... It's the law. They are noble And they knights. have guns. They have, they have a noble <clears throat> spirit. They're believed to be like the ultimate good. And I, I think in the... I read some of the Dark Tower comics... And I think that Roland is basically nobility. Like, I think his father okay. was a king. That's in right. In their world. That's yeah. right. But he's That's also, like... lineage. They yeah. also follow, like, a knightly code, almost. Yeah. The <clears throat> gunslinger's creed. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've covered a lot there. So let's move on to evil, stupid, or misunderstood. This is Evil, Stupid, or Misunderstood, the part of the show where we take a look at the main antagonist of the film and figure out if they were misunderstood, or maybe they're stupid, or just flat out evil. So guys, Walter, the man in black, Matthew McConaughey, alright, 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 mm -hmm. Evil, Stupid, or Misunderstood. I think he's evil. He's got big evil energy. I mean, he's pretty bold. <laughs> but I'd agree. He's working with the Crimson King. Mm -hmm. he's Classic evil. destroying the Dark Tower ostensibly to allow the Crimson King access to all of creation. Now, is he stupid because he's believing that the Crimson King will not just devour him once he has served his purpose? I think that he thinks that he's powerful enough that he can still serve the king and the Crimson King will keep him as a loyal servant. Fair. Yeah. Which is he's possibly something useful. that has been promised to him. Okay. Real dragon priest type individual. Mm. For he those of you who played Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. He obviously thinks he's superior yeah. to everybody else. Yeah, he does. Yeah, pretty evil. He's a real bossy guy. Yeah. Yeah. He abuses his power all over the fucking place. Yeah. Yeah, he uh like kills his servants or whatever, his hench people who fail him and he like sears that one woman's face. Just yeah. kind of for no I mean I'd say for no reason. Just well, very he's a real reactionary type. Yeah, not not a good hierarchy at old uh evil corp. No. Uh, eventually you're going to run out of new people to hire. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't even know how many Tahina are around. 
Yeah, it's true. They live on, like, an Earth mode. Just, like, a floating, like, two-block radius. I don't know. It's a gigantic plateau. Yeah, but it's pretty... I mean, it's not very big. It's, like, the size of, like, a Costco and the parking lot. A town. Yeah. Yeah. The reason they can get up there is because there's a portal that connects to that plateau. Right. But basically, it's the only way in because it's so high up. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, for those of you who played Chrono Trigger which should be everybody. Um, there's, like, that city and the clouds on the floating earth moats that's, like, very high-tech. Nice. I can't think of the name of it right now. It was like it's that. It's where Magus comes from, or, like, yeah, where, where Magus grew up. It was kind of like that, yeah. I mean, so if you're going to rip off uh, great old uh, video games, Chrono Trigger, unless it's from the books, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know how much more we really have to say. I mean, he abducted children... Yeah, not misunderstood. He juiced Used, them. Yeah, he mm-hmm. juiced them, probably to lifeless husks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or insane, like, uh, kind of half-prophesied uh, drifters. Yeah. Right. We don't know. But, yeah, I don't think he's misunderstood. He might be stupid. I guess uh, time will tell okay. once the Crimson King's reign comes. But definitely evil. I, yes. I can see an argument for him being stupid in addition to that. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I found out Roland is going to, like, mess me up because I can't affect him with my magic. So uh, I decided the best way to stop him is to kill everyone he loves, like his mom and his dad. Well, yeah, but it just sent him on a revenge spree. Why didn't he just, like, try to get, like... Get a bunch of people to kidnap him and bury him underground or something. <laughs> Give him the old cowboy burial. Yeah, exactly. Instead, he's just like, I'll just torment him and let him run free. <laughs> Not a great plan. Yeah, that, great plan. his plan, I think, was a little stupid. But generally, I think he, his motivations are evil. Yeah. 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 Just evil through and through. All right. Well, in that case, I guess we'd better head to the smithy. Welcome to the Smithy, where we each share an epic moment or feature from this movie and then forge a rating this week in 1 to 10 guns. Because we watched (laughs) The Gunslinger, The Dark Tower. I'll go first. Go for it. So an epic moment that I want to uh, share from this movie is actually um, when Walter is in Jake's mom's apartment and... Jake's mom and stepdad walk in and they hear something is rustling in their kitchen. And they walk in and here's Matthew McConaughey in his black suit that he's been wearing with an apron cooking chicken. And he just says to them, I'm sorry, but we don't have chicken where I come from. And I just love that image of this darkly evil man in this world that he is, I guess, mostly accustomed to, but like just... Wearing the apron, not wanting to get his immaculate suit spattered, and just yeah. making dinner. And it was kind of charming. It gave, like, a little oh. humanizing feature of, of the character. And you get that little bit of McConaughey charm just sneaking out through this evil bastard. Nice. Walker. So that was my epic moment. I think that I will give this movie six guns. It's a solid film. The writing's not great. I feel like they didn't do a wonderful job adapting. 
the story. Although I don't know how much better somebody could do because this is based on such a sprawling and beloved epic of books that are very moody and I think would be hard to adapt anyways. But they just made a few choices that overall I'm not a huge fan of with some of the changes and stuff. But, you know, it slots right into that hour and a half time frame. That's always going to give it a few extra points for me. It was fun. Idris Elba really stands out. And I think McConaughey does, too. So, yeah, six. A little bit better than average. Nice. Chelsea, what do you think? So, my epic moment has got to be, or my epic feature, I think, is how quickly Roland can reload his guns. Oh, yes. He can, like, flick bullets into the chambers. So, these are revolvers. Right. And he can just, like, press the chamber up against his gun belt. (laughs) And it reloads. Yes. Great. <laughs> video game. Yeah, he's got he's got a real video game style going. He it is described in the books that he has incredible speed with his guns and with reloading them. So that was their way of portraying that, and it was cheesy but fun. It yeah, worked. it was pretty hype. Yeah. yeah, and for my rating, I'm gonna give it eight out of ten guns. Wow. Nice. Um. It's not a perfect movie, and there are some story elements that don't necessarily match up together, and so it kind of creates a little bit of a disjointed story, but all in all, they did a really good job of creating these different worlds and setting up the threat, and the sets and the costumes were amazing, So, and there were some great lines in it, so yeah, 8 out of 10. Good rating. Yeah, pretty good. Watch a load run in the chamber. Let's see. I guess I gotta have my epic moment be the final shot against against Walter when Roland takes out his gun and Walter's been catching bullets shot at him, ricocheted at him, and flinging them back like he's shooting a gun. He can just flick them back, bullet speed. Yeah. And so Roland shoots a bullet directly at him, knowing that Walter's gonna catch it in his hand. But then he shoots another bullet and ricochets it off of a wall. And it collides with the first bullet and course adjusts it to hit Walter in the heart. And he wasn't expecting it. Epic. Yeah, pretty epic. And so, See, the thing is, he flicks his wrist with the second shot so the bullet goes fast. Oh, you're right. That's how it works. <laughs> he throws it out of his gun real fast. It's true, that works. <laughs> yes. That that just adds to his unholy speed that you were mentioning, Chelsea. Yeah. Yes, he's so fast he can increase the speed of bullets. Yes, or his holy speed since he's King Arthur. Yes, right. Yeah, great epic moment. Yeah, that's a good epic moment. But uh, how about your rating? My rating, I'm gonna give it seven guns out of ten guns because it was entertaining, but. I think it definitely could have had, like, maybe 30 more minutes, though. It would have made it longer than the hour and a half. Because it's kind of going for a Western film approach. Mm -hmm. Okay. one thing that a lot of Westerns do is they they have a lot more atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. They have a lot more slow shots. This took more of an action movie approach. Mm Mm-hmm than a western approach but it's about a gunslinger so i think they should have changed the tone to be a bit more moody should have been a bit more like let's say a logan 
inspired yes. by yeah. classic westerns. Moody, exactly. Long shots. Setting, yeah. I like how, what you said about setting up the atmosphere. People Logan eking is a out great a example in yeah. a non-traditional Western film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like Logan, if this because uh, one of the features Logan had was one of the discs comes in black and white, and if you can do that and have your movie still be like super atmospheric and good, uh, you're doing something right. So yeah, this you, movie you would need should a, strive for that. You would need a director <laughs> with a very uh, competent. Eye and, and of sense of everything, and you had a great cinematographer and everything. And I don't, I don't know. This movie was in yeah, development hell for so long. I don't. Oh, know. it was. Yeah, they, they, a, a, a lot of other people were going to make this movie. It was produced by Ron Howard, who was the second director. J.J. Right. Abrams was originally going to be the director, and this goes back like ten years. Yeah, well, I suppose it just felt a bit fast-paced. I think they yeah. could have dialed it back. I also remember yeah. at one point there was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be an HBO series, which I think would have done it a much better, yeah. just, oh, much that, more justice. That would have been a lot better. They could have really ruminated on the story, and and that gloomy aspect would have been great in keeping with the original stories. It's yeah. true. And, and I, th- I think Elba really shines in series. I mean, he's great in movies. I always love seeing him. But Luther and like yeah. even like The Office, like you really get a lot more of his personality. He just portrays these great characters. Yeah. It's true. All right. Well, I think we've got that one in the chamber. Oh. Holy... Oh my god. Let's move on to the bounty board. Welcome to the bounty board, where we share any messages from listeners or from ourselves to you, other listeners. And this week, I figured, uh, since we just found out that Idris Elba has contracted COVID-19. We'd all like to extend our well wishes to Mr. Elba and to anybody out there who is suffering through this pandemic. We hope that our show is able to provide some entertainment while you might have to be sheltered in place or while you're just going about your life uh, as best you can. But to you and all your family, we just want to say we hope that this passes quickly and that your loved ones are safe and taken care of. Stay yeah. safe and healthy as much as you can out there. And make sure to enjoy yourself. It's easy to feel down being cooped up all the time and with all the stress going around. Uh, take a breather. And if you can, take this stressful time to try and relax as much as you can. Yeah, it's going to be hard and... That's just the way these things go, but we're pulling for you, and we want you to know that we're thinking about each and every one of you. Yes. So. Nice. That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get to rewriting history. This is Rewriting History, where we talk about the movie we just watched and imagine a sequel a reboot, or a spinoff. Now, guys, we've got the entire Stephen King cinematic universe here to play with. Obviously, there's already all the ties between this movie and other Stephen King properties. It, The Shining, probably other ones that I didn't catch. (laughs) Where can we go from here? 
Well, obviously, everyone's favorite Stephen King film, Pet Cemetery, has got to be in there, right? Well, you know, one I really wanted to bring in was the Insomnia book. Okay. Which Ooh. is about... Book or film? I don't remember if there's a film about this book. I think there is. I've never seen it. Oh. But um, in the book, it's about people in their retirement years who have trouble sleeping and that kind of creates an unreal situation for them in their waking hours and they start to see people's auras oh cool and they start to have like they start to gain like tap into the shining i guess Oh, and you gotta they're, shine. They're able to see these little men that work for the Crimson King. Oh damn! Who exist oh, no. in another real? Um, who exist in another layer of reality that most people just can't see? Oh, the ethereal plane. Yes, exactly. Yes. So the characters of the book are an old man and his girlfriend. And um, they realize that they can astral project. Oh, that's so cool. And um, they try to fight against these little men who go around using these giant scissors to cut people's, like, everybody's aura, if they're healthy, has this, like, thin string in this book going out of the top of their head. Yeah. That connects their the crown of their head to like reality i guess oh like in Spelljammer, the oh. silver strands that keep people's uh souls and life force connected to the material plane and if you cut it they die it's almost exactly like that and yeah. they go around cutting people's they're agents of chaos yeah and they go around cutting people's threads and when they do that it's described as their aura becoming completely black, and it looks like bugs are crawling all over it. It's like they're cursed oh, after that, and yeah. they die shortly thereafer. Yeah, and so they're I thought it would be from their world. Yeah, I thought it would be cool to maybe merge that with the gunslinger. That is a story. very good idea. That works so perfectly. It's older people with the shining. It would be really cool. Yeah. It's not your typical protagonist. So I thought it would be cool if they start working together with the gunslingers and they gain the ability to, maybe like Jack Sawyer, they gain the ability to slip in between the worlds. So I think it would be really neat if this older couple kind of developed their shining powers and they could bring people back and forth across the worlds at will, kind of like Jack Sawyer learned how to do. Okay. And um, maybe they could become a crime-fighting team across the worlds. <laughs> oh, that'd be really Oh, man, cool. hype. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, like, who are the Crimson King's agents? Like, we've got, I guess he's got, like, the soul of Jack Nicholson from... Uh, the Shining. Oh, that's as a one good of one. his agents of chaos. Oh yeah. The aliens from Dreamcatcher, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Were they evil? I don't really remember what the deal was. I saw that movie one time in the theater. Not they, sure. They were trying to make their Earth a new home, but it would have made it inhospitable to humans. <laughs> right, <Those are> jerks. <laughs> Classic. Probably give everybody radiation poisoning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you could have the undead people. From, well, that might be a spoiler. <laughs> but un- Sometimes they come back? Yeah, from Pet Cemetery. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Or the undead people from Sometimes They Come Back. Oh, yeah, that too. 
I'm just getting into Firestarter. Oh. So I don't know how that's going to end up. But Charlie from Firestarter, I would love to see as a dimension-traveling pyromancer. Wow. And her dad, who has mental domination Yes, powers. the pushing. And I do have to say, there was a film for the movie Firestarter. Yes. In 1984, where Charlie was played by Drew Barrymore. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I want to watch that movie at some point. I've never seen it. Yeah. So, cinematic universe, I guess it counts. Yeah. And we have to go see Doctor Sleep still. I think that uh, Charlie would kind of ally more with the sorcerer, though. The man in black. You know, I was... Thinking that would be a cool twist, but since I haven't finished the book, I'm like, oh no, I don't want to piss off Stephen King fans by <laughs> suggesting that. They're like, Charlie would never do that, Jack. I've, but I guess I've maybe she would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is she kind of more uh, the rebellious, I guess, ironically, fiery type? Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty chaotic. casting. Yeah, I know. She's pretty chaotic. Hey, that's that's cool. I like that. And she has abilities that Walter exhibits more. Oh, nice. So he might have taken her under his wing, and she's his apprentice. Oh, so, that's so cool. I, I think our movie could be Walter is going around, I mean, obviously resurrected by the Crimson King, because this is a sequel. You got it. Where you're bringing in the universes. Yeah. And he's going around recruiting all these antagonists from these other Stephen King movies. Yes. Bringing some back to life. Just getting other ones to follow under him. He's kind of like, he's the Loki, right? Or I guess, we haven't really seen a super villain team up. I was just thinking more like Loki's the, the antagonist in Avengers. We haven't really seen a super villain team up in the, the MCU. League of Evil. Yeah, I guess yeah. he's more of like the Lex Luthor and the Legion of Doom from yeah. the comics. Like going around, just getting all these people together to fight against Roland. But meanwhile, Roland and Jake are reality hopping to get the heroes from these other settings yeah. to nice. team up. It's true. And then we That's end great. with a big epic battle. Yeah, it's true. With a lot of shinning uh, going on. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, psychic uh, mind powers. Pew, like, pew, pew, pew. Uh, <laughs> like dead, dead Zone style. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the Dead Zone we have to yes. pull in. Yeah, yeah, who's that guy who's from the Dead Zone? I love him. Anthony Michael Hall plays oh, uh, Johnny Smith. Yeah, bring in Anthony Michael Hall from the Dead Zone. He can be one of the, the good guys fighting against the uh, Walter and his evil crew. He's got some major Shinnin powers. Yeah. Nice. That's and then Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's Just use the muscle. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know exactly how this works because, again, I haven't read it. But in the movies, at least... I would love it if when they when the protagonists have to encounter Pennywise, the dancing clown, right? The primordial evil entity of fear, right? Yes. Maybe if you have The Shining, you can see him for like his true oh, form God. and it just like ruins your brain. That would be terrible. Yeah, you take like insanity points by just like looking at it if you have The Shining. But then roll in, right? He's not afraid of anything, really. <laughs> so when he sees Pennywise, and Pennywise's weakness is you not being afraid of him. Yes. So the people with The Shining would be really weak to him if yes. they could see his true form. That's true. And then Roland just comes out and he's like, huh, and he just like shoots Pennywise <laughs> with Excalibur. Arnold Schwarzenegger nice. would not be faced by him either. He'd like hold him down. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
He'd do some wrestling to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you can beat up Pennywise as long as you're not scared. <laughs> and you know what? This is the perfect timing to do this because there's a new miniseries of The Stand that's going to be coming out this <gasps> year. So this would be the perfect time to start to introduce this cinematic universe. Nice. So we better get to writing. Yes. Yeah. With that out of the way, then, I guess it's time for a side quest. This is the side quest, where we suggest another piece of fiction that you can engage with after finishing up The Dark Tower. This week, I think we're going to suggest that you check out Bloodborne. That's right, Bloodborne. The gothic Victorian Dark Souls from From Software. <laughs> so I'm playing Bloodborne right now for the first time, and I am absolutely loving it. And one of the reasons that I thought that it made a good connection to this movie is that it's a kind of a post-apocalyptic dark world, and, uh, you know, a lot of guns. Yeah. Your main character gets a gun, and you fight a lot of enemies with guns, and God damn it, the guys with the guns are always, like, sniping me when I least expect it, mm. and then I gotta, like, dodge roll out of the way. But, uh, yeah, so this is one of those Souls-like games, obviously. Uh, very challenging. Expect to die and lose and stream and cry a lot while you're playing, but... You know, once you really get into the flow, it's incredibly satisfying. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have a PS4, I suggest you uh, check out a copy. Uh, Grab yourself a copy of Bloodborne and see if you've got what it takes. And if you don't, that's fine because it's pretty hard and it's not for everybody. Uh, I've been watching you play and the combat seems pretty stressful, but like really, like you're saying, rewarding once you get into it and you start to realize the strategies involved. Oh, yeah. But also, just as a viewer, the world is so interesting. The story is very compelling. You get it bit by bit as you talk to people in the world by knocking on their doors. And it's so mysterious, and it really pulls you in. So much lore. Yeah, there's a lot of lore to be had. Every weapon, every item has so much lore. Every enemy has so much lore that you can find. And the world just leaves so many traces of its lore. Yeah. Yeah, I love lore. Gotta have it. Yeah, there's these statues all over the place with chains all over them. I'm like, what's the deal? What's with all these chains? (laughs) Nice. So that's it. Check it out. Better wrap it up. In chains. Oh! Oh! And on that note, we'd like to thank you all for joining us here on Swords and Satire. If you like the show, make sure to jump on over to Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a nice review. We would really appreciate it, and it does a lot to let people find out about us. You can follow us on Instagram, at Swords and Satire, on Twitter, at Swords and Satire. And we have a Facebook group that you can interact with. Called Swords and Satire. And if you feel so compelled to write us a personal message, you can send us a message through Facebook, or you can email us, swordsandsatire at gmail.com. And if you have any questions, we might read them on the air. Or if you have any comments, we might read them on the air. So, yeah. On the air, because this is live. little bit. Yep. Because <laughs> that's how podcasts work. A little bit for those who like to engage. Yeah. And on that note, until next time, Hail Crom! <laughs>